Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of our podcast channel, where I will be talking with entrepreneurs and investors from TechTour's network about their journey. Hello, I am Megan from TechTour and today I have Michalis from Brainomics in front of me. So Michalis, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for this uh, invitation. Um, so I am the CEO and the co-founder of Brainomics. And uh, we started as a spin-out uh, from the University of Oxford. And our mission from the outset has been to create the greatest impact in healthcare by driving the best treatment decisions for patients. And the way we do, the, we do that is by having developed an AI imaging platform that improves the uptake of existing treatments, helping physicians with diagnosis and treatment decisions, but also improve the success of clinical trials for new treatments. And we have now a, a very well-established technology in stroke where we have real-life benefits in the healthcare system, working with pharma companies. And now we are extending our AI platform into uh, solid tumor cancers. And we are working now in lung cancer as well as in lung fibrosis, where there is a similar unmet need, having imaging as a key part driving uh, diagnosis and treatment decisions. Okay. Sounds interesting. And how long is uh, Brainomics existing now? So we spun out from the university back in 2012. Um, it was in 2015 where we launched our first product in Stroke uh, called eAspects. Uh, and that was globally the first AI stroke imaging solution. And currently what we have developed the last few years is both adoption uh, globally uh, in clinical use of our stroke solution um, as well as uh, expanding, as I mentioned, the functionalities of our platform to new indications and disease areas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, to me, sounds really good. Um, so how did you start your journey? Um, I was actually the scientific director of the preclinical stroke lab at the University of Oxford. And together with a professor of stroke medicine here in Oxford, we could see that uh, on a regular basis, many patients globally were missing out of the life-saving treatments we have with stroke, uh, for stroke, not because of the stroke itself, uh, causing huge disability and many times death, uh, but because they were admitted in hospitals where the frontline physicians don't have the, didn't have the right expertise to interpret the brain scans of those patients, which is the key way for a physician to diagnose and select the patient for treatment. So back then we had the idea of using AI to automate the analysis and the, the identification of signs of stroke on the CT scan. And that was the birth of Brainomics. Okay. And how far are you now on achieving your ambition? Are you, did you achieve your goal or not yet? Uh, definitely we have achieved very important milestones towards our ultimate goal, which right now extends much beyond stroke. It's about unlocking the power of AI imaging to help with diagnosis and treatment decisions, either in clinical practice or working with pharma companies for new treatments in clinical trials. What we have achieved is amazing progress. And I would say we are one of the few companies globally that have managed to deliver an AI imaging solution from design to a global market. Currently our AI solution in stroke has been used in more than 800,000 patients guiding the treatment decisions of those patients. We operate in 25 countries globally, 
and we are expanding in more hospitals. And the value we have unlocked is actually measuring the impact and how we are improving both the outcomes and the time we save for physicians to make these life-saving decisions. Yeah, so you told me you are one of the first who give this uh, unique solution. Wasn't it like difficult? What was your biggest lesson you've learned up till now? It was definitely, I would say, a challenging journey throughout the years. And uh, indeed, we were the first company, as I mentioned, globally to launch any AI stroke imaging solution. And now we have the most comprehensive stroke AI technology. And uh, there were a lot of learnings throughout the process. Firstly, because when we started, AI was not as established as it is now. Uh, but importantly, the field, I would say in stroke, but more generally, uh, across different indications was not, uh, they had to be educated uh, in order to uh, establish the value we are unlocking. And when I say educated, it was more for us to deliver the evidence of how we're improving outcomes, how, as we have now demonstrated, we can increase the sensitivity of frontline stroke physicians by up to 65% to identify signs of stroke damage. And to generate this evidence was a learning for us that uh, took time. We collected the evidence, we have the evidence now, but also understanding that for these solutions and these technologies, in addition of having the evidence, it's absolutely vital of how the physician interacts with them. Because ultimately it's an advanced technology and unless uh, it's easy for them to access it and use it, that makes another barrier which can be addressed by having interfaces that make them user-friendly uh, and importantly making, which is the objective, the pathway and the work the physicians are doing more efficient um, and uh, speeding up this decision-making process. So can you give an example of a happy customer? Uh, definitely, I can give you many examples, but I would like to focus on a couple of things. Uh, firstly, one of the, to your previous questions, have we achieved our goal? Yeah. One of the experiences recently that uh, definitely demonstrate we're on the right track was a meeting and taken by a physician here in the UK, UK stroke consultant, who told me after using his stroke our technology to support his diagnosis and treatment decisions that I can't, life, I can't imagine life without brainomics, which showed that for a physician, uh, not only liked the technology, but completely transformed how they are managing their patients. And a specific example of, if you like, not just a happy customer of uh, how we have generated through a customer and through a case study, the value we are creating and, uh, and we are providing across the healthcare system was an installation we had here in the UK uh, at the Royal Barks Hospital in Reading, which is part of a stroke network. So currently strokes are managed, not just within an individual hospital, but across stroke networks. You have patients, having strokes mainly in the community. And then they are admitted in primary stroke centers, which have the ability to scan the patient, potentially give them the drug treatment, the clot busting treatment we have available. And then they have to be transferred, the patients have to be transferred to a comprehensive stroke center for the revolutionary treatment we have a stroke, endovascular thrombectomy. And we rolled out this stroke across the network, the Thames Valley network, 
And one of the primary stroke centers is the Royal Barks Hospital, as I mentioned here in Reading in the UK. And since they introduced this stroke in their pathway, and actually this was during the pandemic, which had its own challenges, uh, we collected some data and they could demonstrate that the time it took for the patients from the moment they were admitted at the hospital until they were transferred here in Oxford to receive the thrombectomy treatment I mentioned, we were saving more than an hour. And this is very vital in stroke because in stroke time is great. Uh, a patient loses around 2 million neurons every minute with delay treatment. So essentially every second counts. And we, we collected hard evidence of saving an hour in this process. And I would say more importantly, we measured and demonstrated that this time saving translated to better outcomes. So before our technology was introduced across the network, the patients that were admitted at the Royal Barks Hospital, around 16% of them had a good outcome after the stroke. And after a stroke was introduced, this number increased three times to 48%. So pretty much one out of the two patients that were admitted in the Royal Barks after our technology was introduced had a favorable outcome. And our technology was a key driver for this improvement in care for these patients. Sounds like brainomics has been really important in some people's lives. And this is what keeps us going, that ultimately yeah. this is our mission, is to improve the, the outcome of these patients. These are devastating diseases. And we have the, the challenge and the opportunity here is that the treatments we have, for example, in stroke, they are really life-saving. It's the difference if someone gets the treatment, the thrombectomy treatment, for example, going home, Instead, if they miss out of the treatment from the treatment, it's going to the nursing home. So it's a complete uh, transformation on their quality of life, depending on whether they manage to get access to the treatments we have and getting them in a timely manner, which is what we are trying and we are improving. Mm -hmm. Is it also the tipping point that made you a doer, wanting to change people's lives like this? Or was it something else? Uh, definitely, this was the key driver. My background, I'm a neuroscientist, and uh, when I was doing research and what I'm doing now with brainomics was always to deliver something that transforms patient outcomes. And technology has the ability to do so. We are going through the fourth industrial revolution with AI, and we are fortunate to be part of that wave. And this is the key driver, is putting the technology with the healthcare need and our ability to deliver the right tools so we give to the physicians uh, this technology so they select the right patient for the right treatment. And it's exactly the same driver for new treatments in drug development, working with pharma companies and clinical trials. So how do you see brainomics making a difference in the long future? Uh, in the long future is ultimately establishing and replicating the success we've had in stroke in new indications where imaging is a key driver. Um, and there is the, the need for automated digital biomarkers to improve these diagnosis and treatment decisions. And that's why in the near future, we currently uh, have technologies in uh, lung cancer, where the challenge there is currently when we have new treatments where we test in a clinical trial setting, we measure the effectiveness, for example, in lung cancer, the effectiveness of new treatments by measuring uh, the changes in the diameter of tumors. However, this can be insensitive to treatment response. You can have a treatment that indeed works, but the way we measure whether the treatment works, uh, we can 
miss picking up the effect of the treatment. So what we are doing to address this is instead of measuring the diameter, we are measuring the volume of the tumor, which can increase the sensitivity to picking up treatment response by 100%. So again, using AI and uh, ultimately personalizing the diagnosis and the treatment in order to more sensitively monitor treatment response and increase the success of clinical trials for new treatments. And it's a similar uh, story in fibrosis, in interstitial lung diseases, which is a devastating condition. These patients have a life expectancy of three to five years. And 85% uh, of those patients are missing out from the very limited treatments we have. Yes. And it's such a devastating condition that um, the life expectancy I mentioned is worse than most uh, cancers. And we see that these patients, it takes them up to two years from the first time they, uh, they develop symptoms until they are diagnosed and treatment starts. And the reason it takes that long is because on the imaging, to establish that the fibrosis, the scarring in the lungs is progressing, which is a criterion for the current treatments we have available, it's very difficult to do so manually by just looking at the scan, even for an expert looking at the scan. So by automating with AI the identification and the measurement of these signs, we can standardize it in a similar fashion as we're doing in stroke. Uh, and importantly, by doing so, we can bring forward these diagnosis and treatment decisions by a year. So this is, a, again, a complete transformation of having these patients uh, getting access to life-saving treatments and changing their quality of life. Sounds good. So I have a total different question. Uh, you are a co-founder. So how many other co-founders are there? Um, so we had uh, both uh, some academic co-founders, some clinical co-founders. Um, and uh, currently, um, since we started, I have been the CEO and I'm, uh, I'm running the company. Uh, but at the same time, when we started as founders, what was important is that we had a mixture of skill sets from clinical expertise, scientific expertise, uh, radiological expertise, and even business and commercial expertise that allowed us at these days, a few years ago now, uh, to establish a, a good business case together with an important uh, healthcare unmet need and start developing a technology that has a direct impact on how healthcare is delivered. Yeah, we've also heard a story about someone else and he told us that he had another co-founder, but they didn't know it, each other before. Was it the same case for you or you already know each other? No, we, we all, all the co-founders knew each other quite well when we founded the company. That wasn't the case for us. I you mean, for example, with, the, with, the, with the Alistair Bakker, the professor of stroke medicine, we're working together hmm. at the university. I was, as I mentioned, the scientific director of the preclinical stroke lab that he was heading. So we had a very close working relationship uh, even back then. I see, I see. And um, then another question, how did TechTour helped you on your journey? I must say that TechTour has been extremely helpful for us and for me. And I have participated in uh, uh, numerous TechTour uh, events, both uh, virtually and in person. Uh, definitely the in-person one has been, have been very useful because you have this networking opportunity that you can have on a... Uh, or as well as in a virtual setting. 
And it has helped us both in terms of uh, getting feedback on our story. And we have been fundraising for many years now in different parts of this fundraising process. The feedback we got from the various streams and investment pitches we participated have been very useful. And the highlight of the value we have uh, extracted from participating in the Tector events was that when in December we closed our Series B round. And one of the investors that uh, co-led the round was uh, Tencent, that uh, we met with Tencent at the Future 22 event last year, where because we're finalists on one of the previous events, we had qualified to the pitching stream at Future 22. So we networked with Tencent, they liked the story, and they co-led the round together with the other existing investors. So we closed it back in December last year. Okay, that's really good. And were there also other ways that you found investors? Um, starting from Oxford, one of the advantages is that you are part of an ecosystem that uh, you can get networked and connected to investors. So when we started, uh, we were exposed to a good uh, investment and investor network through the Oxford ecosystem. Um, and we got Parkrock advisors and Chimera partners back then investing in us on our first round, as well as the even the Oxford University Fund uh, investing in brainomics. Then we started working with Barry Gelingelheim, the German big pharma who has one of the, uh, actually the only drug treatment for acute stroke. Um, and we were part, and we are still part of a pan, uh, of an initiative they have launched to improve stroke care. And we were their only imaging partner. And on the back of the successful partnership we had with, uh, with BI, <laughs> the venture fund of BI invested in us. So throughout the years and through the various partnerships, we have attracted different types of investors. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, you're based in England, right? In Dublin? In Oxford, in the UK. Ah, in Oxford. And um, is your market only in Oxford then, or are you also- No. Um, currently in Stroke, uh, we are market leaders across Europe. Uh, we have hundreds of hospital installations, so hospitals that are using in Stroke for clinical use um, in 25 countries. So we also have a presence in Latin America, in uh, uh, the US, and also we are expanding in China. Okay, that's really good. <laughs> Do you wish to expand more or this is enough? Absolutely. Our, our goal and our plans is to expand both geographically uh, our install base, so we have more hospitals using our technologies, but also expand uh, the number of technologies we have in our AI platform, as I mentioned, from stroke to the other indications. But in addition, expand a lot our partnership with pharma companies focusing a lot in clinical trials for new treatments. Hmm, I see. And can you explain me what the functionality of the technology is, the stroke technology, for example, and the stroke care? Because maybe some people that are not familiar with stroke might not get a good understanding of how it all comes together. And, uh, it goes back to what I was describing being the clinical need, that when a patient has a stroke, they go to the hospital, to A&E most likely, and very quickly they, they have a brain CT scan and the physician has to interpret the scan to see if it's a stroke or not, and then decide if it is a stroke, whether the patient should be getting treatment. So the 
point where we come in and where we have an installation, we have our system automatically getting the scans of the patient. And for whatever type of scan they have, a non-contrast CT scan, a CT brain scan, a CT angiography scan where we give a contrast to the patient or a CT perfusion scan, we have algorithms that automatically within a minute process the scans and give to the physicians, even on their smartphone through our mobile app or through the imaging system they have within the hospital, the process scans which uh, demonstrate and highlight if it is a stroke, so areas of the brain where stroke is detected from the algorithms, and this gives, them, gives the physicians confidence that indeed this is a stroke, which sometimes is very difficult to see. But in addition to that, it also highlights which vessels are blocked. So where's the location of the stroke, because that's a criterion for the type of treatment the patient might get. And another important factor is not only what brain area has damaged, has been damaged and irreversibly probably damaged, but also the brain that is at risk, which means that if we do nothing, that area would also uh, be damaged irreversibly by the stroke. But if we treat the patient, we can save that region. And this can be a region, for example, for a patient regaining their arm movement or leg movement or permanently having a disability, disability on that. Uh, and that's where, by providing this information to the physician in a seamless manner, we can unlock all the values I described before in terms of giving them the confidence, then the ability to firstly diagnose the stroke, and secondly, uh, identify the patients that would benefit from either the clot busting, drug treatment, or the endovascular mechanical thrombectomy treatment. Okay, thank you for explaining. <laughs> I needed this, <laughs> probably also other people. So um, for me, everything is clear. Thank you for having this call. Thank you very much. It was very nice to talk to you both. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.